All right, everyone, welcome to the Lakers Outsiders podcast. My name is Donnie McHenry, joined, as always, by Chris Walton, a.k.a. Walt. Walt, how you doing uh, after the 4th of July weekend? I'm doing good, man. I'm trying to duck and dodge all the leftovers and get back on track so that way I can finish July strong with this fitness and all that good stuff, man. You know, you know how that go. Yeah, man. Uh, in that regard, I had uh, July pandas, uh, the month we'd be seeing Donnie McHenry with a six pack, maybe an eight pack, mm-hmm. but uh, we might have to make that August, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. Whatever. Uh, diet starts Monday uh, is my, the credo I live by, I guess. But um, we, me and you have not talked about the Lakers in some time. We did a couple draft podcast drafts with uh, Alex and Hani. Uh, in the month of June, a little bit of a quiet month as we led up to free agency. And then Kevin Durant said, let's get this party started. And uh, through his trade request from the Nets, restarted the trade discussions between the Lakers and the Nets on Kyrie Irving. Uh, it turns out that the Nets have a little bit more of an appetite for Russ when it turns out uh, one of the best NBA players of all time once uh, out. In not not in Kyrie Irving in Kevin Durant, so there's been a lot of reports uh, since this all began uh, with the starter free agency on June 30th, uh, I believe, which was that Thursday where free agency started. It's seeming more likely than not that the Kyrie Irving and Russ uh, Russell Westbrook trade gets completed. Uh, we can talk about the other parts of that. Um, theoretical trade, but um, while we haven't really talked about it, uh, us two. So how do we? How do you feel about this possibly inevitable trade happening? Uh, how are you feeling about the kind of risk uh, versus reward of it all? Uh, and then kind of just like the tertiary parts of the trade, which may include guys like THT, Nunn, Joe Harris, uh, and or Seth Curry. Um, how are you feeling about it all? Yeah, I guess I'll start with the start with the bad first and the risk of it all. Um, I mean, the whole reason that the Nets and Kyrie are in the situation they're in is because, you know, at its simplest outlook, they would like for him to be more available than he's made himself um, when it comes to, you know, vaccination status and just him generally staying healthy. Um, they just wanted him to <clears throat> commit to a certain – period of games, which I, I ain't going to lie, I thought was reasonable. But Kyrie being, you know, the person he is and wanting to stand on what he believes in, um, you know, he couldn't commit to that. So, in turn, they didn't want to give him an extension. So, I think that that's something that, you know, the Lakers could be looking at having to deal with when it comes to – he can't control his injuries, but it's a very real thing looking at the Lakers situation with AD being as injured as often as he is, LeBron getting older – and, you know, by virtue, having to take on some of them older ailments and injuries that you, you get at that age and, and dealing with that and missing games, um, you know, Kyrie will be added into that as well. And that's something that, you know, they have to weigh, weigh, uh, weigh the outlook on and see how they want to deal with that. And then on top of that, you got the, you know, the unvaccinated status, you know, his choice, whatever he would like to do. But, you know, the consequence of not being vaccinated still exists whether he whatever he believes in or not so not only do you have to deal with the possibility of him if he you know 
Lord forbid, if he did get COVID, him being out because of COVID, having to go through protocol, um, I don't, not to speak ill, but you know, you never know what COVID might do to different people. Um, they take on the risk of somebody who could get COVID, who could deal with long COVID, deal with like things that could change the trajectory of his career as well. It could, uh, you know, knocking on all the wood, it could end his career. You know what I'm saying? So that's like a, a big risk that the Lakers have to consider. You know, I know that sounds a little far-fetched and maybe I'm being extreme, but when you're talking about like this haggling, you're hearing about them wanting to include certain picks and wanting to take on certain contracts. They're in the same boat that the Nets are in as far as saying, hey, well, this guy brings or he has different things, which I'll get into later how I can kind of tie it into what Jeannie feels when she made that tweet. But when you're talking about taking somebody on with that much baggage, looking at his history, isn't not just, you know, acquiring like a, a Anthony Davis or um, even a Dennis Schroeder as far as just saying, all right, just a, bringing in his player, integrating them. And we got a, you know, um, a solid squad. It's real risk to take on Kyrie Irving, whether we like that or not. It, it really is. So I think you have to consider all those things. You have to look at it from not even taking a front office side, but just a realistic outlook on this. This could end up being disastrous. It could be worse than the Westbrook situation because this, you know, those things, like I said, about him not being vaccinated, especially that could affect like the team and the coaches. You know, what happens if the Lakers acquire Kyrie Irving, they get to the playoffs, they get to the Western Conference Finals, Kyrie get COVID, Kyrie get COVID to LeBron and AD and uh, <laughs> um, Stanley Johnson, and then you're down four people. And I'm not so sure that, you know, Adam Silver would be like, well, this is too many stars now, let's reschedule the games. The game's going to go on, I would I would think so. Um, that's a very real possibility that might be like on the furthest of spectrums of things that could go wrong, but it. it this is what the Nets see as an issue. This is why this is an issue with him as far as why he hasn't been retained. So that's like the the risk of the situation. But on to the rewards and the great part about acquiring him. Like, you know, you you got a chance to undo the colossal mistake that bringing in Westbrook was with somebody of that talent, somebody of those abilities that fit so much better between AD and LeBron and even – you know, knocking on more wood. If LeBron or AD went down, um, you talk about somebody who can carry like the scoring low and keep them afloat um, much better than, you know, what Russ hasn't been able to do as a Laker, at least. Like that's, you could ask for a better situation. Um, I think it would instantly make them, it would put them right back up into the contender conversation. It would instantly give them a, a juice on offense that I don't think we've, we've ever seen since at least the the days of um you know lebron at his highest peak you know during the championship year and then kobe and shaq and so on and so forth like you could ask for a better piece um i do think despite his beliefs for all um he's a general he's a basketball head and people tend to enjoy his presence like he real tight with ad him lebron whatever it was that they Mm -hmm. had they kind of patched that up i do think him and Darvin Ham would have a, a great understanding. Um, I, f- I can't quite point to it, but I feel like they got some kind of affiliation from back in the day. But um, just all those different things and, you know, Kyrie been always – he's been linked to the Lakers for a long time. I don't think people realize that 
like for yeah. a long time. So you got all of that. His love for Kobe, um, his you know love and appreciation for the history of the game. I think he would just love being a Laker, um, and like just the fit, man. Just getting him. Oh, that 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 would definitely, 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 definitely pique my my interest to see him, see him in a uniform. And then watch the Lakers recover. It all of the a lot of the things that the team lacked, you know, he he would check those boxes with the exception of defense, of course. But when you get that yeah. kind of player with two big dogs <clears throat> next to that kind of player, you can piece together the you know the the right set of role players that can play the defense, that can hit shots, that can um you know carry the low on nights where you know maybe all three. Aren't on their A game, like you could you could build something around that. So this is, I'm I'm of the mind that to undo the mistake of Westbrook for future um, personnel purposes, you do what you got to do to get him at this point. Because you know yeah. uh, he's a all world dude, man. If you if you're talking about when to put all the chips on the table, it's just a chance. It's a shot right now. Yeah, um, I mean, like you said, like I don't think there would be a better trio in the NBA. Big asterisk, win healthy. Like, there's not. I don't think there's a better trio in the NBA other than LeBron, AD, and Kyrie. Uh, the fit is perfect. I mean, those two, like LeBron and AD's games, scream like need for a well shooting point guard. And that's exactly what Kyrie is. Um, he'd be able to give him like 40% uh, three-point shooting. And that's like on insanely tough pull-up threes. Would be a great pick-and-roll partner with AD. Um, would be able to sustain a, a basement floor of offense for the team when LeBron's on, off the court. Something that they have struggled with ever since LeBron came to the Lakers. Uh, including even in the championship season when... AD was at the peak of his powers. They still struggled on offense when LeBron was off the floor. Uh, I actually want to kind of write an editorial on this overall uh, in terms of the risk versus reward for our site. So I won't go too deep into it. I actually kind of think even with all your uh, concerns you listed with COVID and the vaccine, fully, fully valid concerns. I mean, just the thought of him getting COVID compared to like a vaccinated LeBron getting COVID. LeBron is probably going to be out for like maybe a game at this point with their current rules. Kyrie is going to be out like a week, maybe two weeks, uh, maybe even longer than that. Like you said, if he has long tailed COVID uh, effects. So definitely uh, valid concerns, but I personally just, it's kind of sad. I think it's a no brainer calculate uh, semi calculated risk for the Lakers in terms of, where they put themselves with this stupid rush trade. Uh, trade was just so bad. They've somehow made it where it's it, it's only a smart move for them to trade for Kyrie, while it would be a dumb move, in my opinion, for all other 28 teams to try and trade for him. Like, it's just wild that we're in this situation. Like, and sure, you are more likely, I'd say, guaranteed to have more availability from Russ. I mean, he, what, missed two games this past season? One was like a couple, maybe two or three, and two, two of those were for sitting out then when they weren't, you know, in playoff contention. 
but I truly believe this. I think the Lakers would have been much better last season if none was available and Russ was just not there. But let's not lament about that guy anymore. Other than that, Kyrie is the same. I'd say he's the same level of defense that you're going to get from Russ, and he's 100 times better in every facet of the game. Uh, and in terms of, like, Joe Harris and or Seth Curry coming to the team, please, like, that level of shooting around LeBron, I don't think he's had that since the Cavs. Like, I think the Lakers had – the Lakers were, like, 21st-ranked shooting uh, in terms of three-point percentage around – in the championship season. Uh, and, like like I said, he just hasn't had that shooting ever since, like, J.R. Smith uh, and, like, Kevin Love around him on the Cavs. Uh Joe Harris and or Seth Curry coming would probably mean THC's going, and I'd be super sad to see that. But, you know, like, the future is mortgage. Like, the Lakers mortgage their future with the AD trade. Like, there's going to be a rebuild after all this. Whatever, Whenever the end of this LeBron AD era, there's going to be a rebuild. Like, and that's soon in the future, I would say. More more likely soon than long-term in the future. Um. So I would be pretty sad to see TH go, THC go, but like, let's still win now mode. Like they got to do what they need to do to put themselves in a position to win. I don't, or I kind of actually disagree in terms of this would automatically vault them to championship contention level. Cause we'll talk about free agency in a sec. I'm not too optimistic about the roster so far, but yeah, I think it's a no brainer for the Lakers. And weirdly enough, not a no-brainer for any other team. Um, but yeah, with that being said, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the free agency signing so far? Hey, let's do it, man. All right, man. So the Lakers signed four players. Um, I believe this was all on the first night of free agency, I think. Yeah. Um, they signed Lonnie Walker with the mid-level exception. He comes over from the Spurs. They signed... Damian Jones, Juan Toscano-Anderson, and Troy Brown Jr., all on minimum contracts. Uh, Jones was on the Kings last year. JTA, obviously, on the Warriors. Uh, first player of Mexican descent to win a championship. Shout out to him. And uh, Troy Brown comes to us from the Bulls. That leaves two open veteran minimum spots if you include uh, Max Christie, uh, rookie Max Christie on the 15-man roster. So, with all that being said, Walt, what would you uh, like? What grade would you give just the Lakers free agency so far? Obviously, like I said, there's two open spots left. Who knows? Those could be filled with the Kyrie trade. Uh, and specifically, what of those four moves did you like, and uh, what didn't you like? Uh, I would give them a B minus. Um, just simply. I'm <laughs> I'm grading them against what they did last year, which was you know they done a complete 180, and I do also think about the context of the market. Uh, me and you talked about it all the time. You know the free agency. This market was just, respectfully speaking, no disrespect to any NBA players because you got if you're a pro, you're a pro, but this was not the strongest market in terms of. I'm looking to fill my roster with two-way wings. I need a lot of shooting. You know, I need, like, the last piece to, you know, championship contention. Like, this just wasn't the market for it. Everybody who kind of fit that mold, they got scooped up or they went to situations that, you know, you can't even 
look at that situation and say, oh, yeah, that's the last piece to the championship puzzle for X team. Like, we've seen a lot of that. You know what I'm saying? So I give them a B minus just because they, one, they went and filled in the youth. That was definitely something they need to check the box on. Um, they got some athleticism, something they need to check the box on, of course. Um, and then also them going big, definitely check the box on that. So I salute them. The names aren't the sexiest, but, you know, they they did go the route that I wanted to see them go in terms of the kind of guys they need to sign. And um, on top of the signings that they made, you know, retaining Stanley Johnson and William Gabriel, I, I got that into the grading as well because um, that's important to kind of bring back some continuity from last season on top of Kendrick Nunn picking up his option. And we don't know what the future may hold for him, but, um, you know, not immediately shipping him out in the deal and THT, even though we got a lot of time left still before the season start. But just uh, having them, those guys combined with who they signed, um, you know, it was it was a solid free agency start. And then being the, the names I seen them linked to, also, uh, you know, it boded well as far as what they tried to do because uh, that's I think that's a thing that a lot of people forget when they do see these teams make signings. Free agency is a two-way street, man. You can't force anybody to sign with you. If you try to sign somebody and they elect not to sign with you, you got to move on to the next, you know, however your tier is or your list is as far as who comes after who. You got to move on to that. So you can't be held up trying to, you know, um, jostle between not-so-good choices, like I said. Um, but just in terms of the the guys, Troy Brown, I think he was he guy with size defensively. You know he can play the passing lane. Um, as far as point of attack, guarding bigger wings, the, the things we probably would want to see him doing the Lakers. Uh, the jury's still out on that. But when you're talking about bringing a player into a different system around different kind of players like LeBron, the AD, um, the hope is that you will see them start to you know recognize some of these weaknesses that they did have, uh, turning those into strength. So that's what I'm interested in seeing him do. He has some playmaking chops. He can pass for a guy who's six seven. He's a, a, a solid ball handler and passer. Um, but I don't know how that role will be expanded on when he does come to L.A., but I'm interested in seeing how they use him. Um, and then we go on to – let me see. Got Damian Jones. Obviously, we was pining for Damian Jones for like two years since he left the Lakers. That's like <laughs> that would I would say that's probably my favorite signing just from a simple Same. yeah, they want to go vertical, they want to get a big that could finish, they want to get a big that's young, that's got legs that can get up and down the floor. That's you know, it's perfect. That's the perfect kind of guy you want to sign. He was very, 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 very solid last year for the Kings. Um, and I, I'm just I'm surprised they actually went for the minimum given like some of the guys who I seen get sales. And I was like, that's that was a, a good get. I mean, he and depending on what happens out there, you know, free agency shakes out, he could very well compete for a starting job if they don't want AD to play the center. So um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he got a real shot at that. So that, that probably had a lot to do with getting him from the minimal. Um and then you had uh Juan Toscano Anderson. That's another solid signing. A guy who can play anywhere from the three to the five if needed, depending on the matchup. Um, athlete, you know, he can definitely get up and down the court. He got great hands on defense, man. I was watching some of his film. Um, he had a lot of film just getting like those, you know, 
smackdowns or slapdowns, whatever you want to call it. Steals, poking the ball away, like being active in the passing lanes, running the floor. Like he, that's the guy that when you got LeBron, you want to go small, have him playing the five. You can throw him down at the four, um, Stanley at the three. And, you know, you, you shouldn't lose any defensive intensity. You may lose some shooting. Um, but that's the importance of what they do going forward as far as how they can surround a specific lineup like that. But I like that. And he got uh pedigree coming from Golden State, man, coming from a culture like that. Uh, and then we had Lonnie Walker. That was probably, I say, was the <laughs> least favorite signing because of all the guys that after him, you see, like, the deals they got. But, again, free agency is a two-way street. Yeah. I don't know what took place as far as what led to him signing, um, you know, for that the TP MLE. But got some potential, man. That's another thing we can't ignore with signing him. He's a young guy. He got a lot of great intangibles. Athletic. He can get his shot off. Super exciting. Like, he's going to have a lot of moments, you know, next season where – he going to do things that just, like, blow your mind as far as, like, dunks and athletic plays. And just from a watching basketball standpoint, not even X and O's and stats and stuff, like, you know, that's a part of the game we kind of get away from, too, because we so, like, wired in and tapped in on how can they help, you know, what can they do on this end, yada, yada, yada. Sometimes I just want to see somebody slam dunk, man, <laughs> dunk, reverse layup, <laughs> and make me excited. So he can do a lot of that. Uh, defensively, they didn't sign him to play defense. Let's be clear. Like, that's – that's even though you say, hey, well, they should get this kind of player, that's another thing we got to kind of think about. Some players are assigned to play a specific role that's not necessarily – well, I can't I, I can't say. I was going to say not necessarily winning basketball because scoring is a part of winning basketball too. But he wasn't signed to come here to be no defensive stopper. So that's – when you look at it through that lens, I think you can kind of start to see the vision clear as far as why they got him. Um, but the youth athleticism to score, hopefully replacing what Monk did, that's what he here for. The price point, eh, but it is what it is. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it given the market. So, I'd say, let's see, for my grade, I think <laughs> I think you're a little bit looking at me more, uh, looking at it more positive than me. Hey, that's what this um, is about, man. We can't come in here with the same hey, thoughts. I appreciate it. No, I'm I'm coming in with the same thoughts. I'm gonna get real on that. No, <laughs> uh, I'd probably give it. Like, I'd probably give everything overall. You gave it a B minus. I'd probably say a C. Mm. I want to say C plus, but I'm gonna go C. Um, I really love the Damian Jones and Troy Brown signings. Uh, Jones specifically. I mean, I think he should have. Like you said, I was kind of surprised he didn't get the MLE. I thought when he first, he was the first signing for the Lakers. I thought he was getting the MLE out of the group. I saw a lot of people saying, oh, this better be for the vet minimum, like before it was officially announced. I think he's worth the MLE. I mean, in terms of role man efficiency, general finishing around the rim, pretty stout rim uh, defense in terms of uh, just the metrics I've seen. No perimeter shooting, but he has like twice, maybe three times the motor of Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan combined. So that's going to be like, that was something desperately needed last season, especially out of the big man position. And I feel like the Lakers filled that hole and then some. And then, yeah, Troy Brown Jr., like you said, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I looked it up. He's got a 6'11 wingspan. So, like you said, getting his hand in those passing lanes. Um, being, I'm a little worried because, you know, he didn't really have that big of a role with the Bulls. Uh, in a perfect world, he'd be able to fill a much bigger role with the Lakers. 
because he is like that six 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 seven you know wing defender that they didn't really have last season. Uh, he was in the 80th percentile in terms of on-ball defense impact, according to B-ball index. So I think it could translate to a bigger role. Uh, he's very young, like what, 22, 23 years old, something like that. Um, I think Ham and his staff could make him an even better defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shooting-wise, he only shot 35% from three last season. I say only, like that wouldn't be like third or fourth on the Lakers last season. Uh, I pretty sure I looked it up like a very small percentage of those threes were open threes. Mm. So I think he could get more open threes with the Lakers. Uh, like I said, Ham and his staff could even help with the shooting department and maybe he could raise that up to like 38 to 40% and be a valuable seventh or eighth man for the Lakers. Um, Juan Scano Anderson, I'm, I'm pretty met on. Um, I was pretty surprised to look at his like three point shooting numbers from last season, the season before, not really a high volume. Um, I don't really see him playing much either way. So I'm not like too bent out of shape about it. Like you said, it's for the vet minimum for your agency is two way street. So who knows if there's even much better options for the Lakers. That point kind of transitions into my next point about Lonnie Walker, but not really. I think that signing is pretty bad. Mm. Um, I think it's very bad. Uh, I know, I know I'm much more lower uh, on him than like you or others, but well, I don't know. I see, I've seen a lot of negative takes on it, but he's been nothing but terrible in regards to shooting and defense, <laughs> which I feel like are the two were the two most important things the Lakers wanted uh, coming in this. You know, there was a report that they wanted two way wings. He 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 has no shooting. He's probably better at shooting than he is on defense. And I've kind of wanted defense prioritized more than shooting this offseason. I mean, he's only six four. Uh, he does have a pretty long wingspan, but he has shown nothing in terms of implementing that wingspan on the defensive end that would make me optimistic about his signing. I think the Lakers staff is kind of essentially starting from the ground up in terms of his development with, you know, he has semi-decent skills. Uh, he has, you know, pretty good in transition. Uh, he can drive to the rim uh, and get his own basket that way, but he doesn't like that's stuff that a lot of the Lakers current roster already has in terms of LeBron, you know, Russell Westbrook. We'll see how long he is on the team. THT Kendrick Nunn. He doesn't really fill any holes for this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, free agency is a two way street. I don't think the Lakers had too many more interested parties for the MLE considering most of my ideas before the draft, uh, Gary Harris, Mo Bamba, uh, others, they ended up taking much more money than the MLE, but you know, you kind of look at the MLE going to Bruce Brown in Denver. That would have been a much better way to spend that resource, uh, in my opinion. But again, hey, the Denver Nuggets are currently, as constructed, a far better championship contender than the Lakers. Um, who else got the MLE? Otto Porter Jr., he went to the Raptors. Uh, personal decision, I kind of. Uh, I think his wife is from Toronto. That was reported to be a factor in his decision. So, like you said, like, you know, it's the Lakers, sure, but some of these, uh, even the Raptors are probably at this current time a better constructed team. We'll see. But, you know, like you said, maybe this was the best option out there for him. I think I'd probably have a better outlook on this if, like, Damian Jones got the MLE and Lonnie Walker got a vet minimum or Lonnie Walker got a vet minimum and the MLE maybe got broken up to two other players. Uh, maybe part of it going to Max Christie to sign him to a longer deal than what he's going to end up getting. But 
Yeah, I don't know. If the Lakers get some shooting from that Nets trade or theoretical Nets trade, then I may raise that C up to like a B, you know, um, getting Joe Harris's shooting and Seth Curry's shooting around. But I don't know. I'm I'm getting a little uh, getting a little nervous about what the Lakers defense would be even with a Nets trade. Yeah, that that defense is going to be uh, something, which is why I do think um, it's going to be it's funny. Um, I was actually we're, looking we're at gonna get to see if we're going to get to see if Ham or Volga are the better, <laughs> the better defensive coach. I know, for man. Sure. I'm I'm with Jake Fisher. Had said I'm I'm with. The, I don't think it's going to be just a two-team deal. Yeah, yeah. I and, But, like, you know, the Buddy Heald's name keeps getting thrown around. He ain't good on defense either. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, defense could, if, you know, the Lakers end up with Miles Turner, that would help the defense a lot. Yeah. Um, but then you got – then I would assume that would take the Lakers out of wanting uh, Thomas Bryant, mm-hmm. who – would help with the team shooting in terms of being a stretch five. I don't know. There's definitely a lot more that needs to be uh, shook out of this free agency period for the Lakers. Um, We're definitely, you know, it's, you know, they got four new players. There's only two open roster spots, but you know, there could be a lot more, a lot more changes to the roster with uh, in regards to THT and Nunn and Russ uh, and what the Lakers do with Thomas Bryant, if they get him, yada, 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 if there's a third team involved. So things could be uh, a lot different between now and the, the next time we pod or the time after that. We'll see We'll see how quickly these uh, KD and Kyrie trades get done. Um, but with that being said, we did have some Lakers basketball uh, since we last spoke. The Lakers started in summer league. Uh, Walt, you definitely watched the Lakers' first two summer league games in like the uh, what is it, the California Classic. Mm-hmm. You watched them more than I did. Uh, I, don't, I definitely haven't told you about this, but I think I drank probably like uh, fifty beers this weekend. Um, definitely not good for the diet. But, anyways, enough about me. Uh, what players stood out to you the most uh, this uh, past weekend for the Lakers when they started summer league? Man, players that stood out the most to me. Um... It was a few players, man. Uh, I definitely want to start off. I, I got to toot my horn. Scotty Pippen Jr., man. This dude, bro. If Scotty Pippen Jr. was 6'3", he'd be a lottery pick. He would have went lottery easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. The the pace he plays with, the craft he plays with, like the IQ that he, he has being like a rookie, like some of the things that I would watch him do, even and not, not even talking about his score and then, you know, his playmaking. Like little stuff, um, like specifically, there was, um, I think the first game, somebody kind of, you know, kind of got in his grill a little bit on defense. So rather than him panicking, you know, like you would typically see a Ricky do, he just casually picked his dribble up, uh, well, continued his dribble, uh, got around him, and just used his aggression, the defender's aggression against him by doing one of those Trey Young, you know, stopping starts. And just drew a foul, you know what I'm saying, and just got free throws. Like when it comes to rookies and kind of projecting what you what you can expect out of them, one of the biggest things I do look at is can you get to the free throw line in the NBA? Because if you can do that early, you gonna have a long career, mm-hmm. man. Um, and he just he was able to get to the free throw line. Um, he shot okay. 
Uh, he he can hit a, a standstill three. He was hitting standstill threes and pull up jumpers. He would just get in the lane. Even him being like six foot six foot one, just he was able to just get into the lane without like an explosive first step or anything like that. Like relatively, I want to say easy, but um, he was just able just to get in the lane and get to the rim and find people cutting and throw lobs. Like he's just an impressive dude. I can see why as soon as the draft ended, they gave him a two-way contract. Like I said, I, I do think mm-hmm. at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, I do think um, at least after seeing him in Vegas when the competition kind of gets better with a lot of the other rookies and some of the guys, first-year guys from last year, second-year guys playing against them, depending on what he does against them, what he does in preseason, I can see him at some point, you know, getting on the roster full-time because he, you know, he's just a solid dude, man. 20 points in the SEC against that caliber of talent, like guys who are lottery picks and stuff, that, that ain't nothing to scoff at. But he was as good as advertising what I was hearing about and what I seen when he was at Vanderbilt. Um, Cole Swider, whew, man, another guy who, when you talk about what they need, you know, um, and let me throw it out yeah. that defensively, he still has a lot of work to do. But in terms of we know they still need shooting and free agency, like this dude, if he didn't make shots, the shots went in and out or they were on target, which is a good sign of consistency in terms of form and balance and, you know, hand-eye coordination and all that good stuff that make a great shooter a great right. shooter. He's not he's not missing left to right. Mm-hmm. He's just missing long, short, or it's just rimming out. Yeah. Yeah, I think he had like one air ball, but he also was like, <laughs> like 12 of 15 from three, so – I'll take that. So, yeah, this dude is one air, like – One air ball and five makes, I'll take it. Yeah. He is like – I see another guy. I see exactly why they snatched him up as soon as the draft ended. And then they proceeded to give him, I think, the first two-way contract of his kind with a two-year. Um, he going to get – they going to promote him to the, the active roster, 100%. Even if he like a 13th, yeah. 12th man, 14th man, he'll be on the roster. Yeah. Um like I said, I didn't really watch much. I did see a lot of Cole Swider highlights. I saw a lot of Scottie Pippen highlights. He, um, like you said, he just has crazy ability to just uh, get into the lane, get past his defender. And then once the defense is kind of breaking down, he was making like crazy reads where I was just like, you know, most, I feel like most summer league guys, like I felt like this kind of happened with like Mac McClung last season, like, you know, they're just looking, you know, they break down the defense. They're like, all right, it's time to score. Let's go. And, like, you know, they might put up a, you know, tough shot. He was just getting a, getting into the um, defense and then making the right read every single time. Uh, and, like, that's that kind of, you know, once it becomes a four-on-three type of situation in the NBA, to make that right read, I feel like that's, you know, you're doing that already in summer league. I feel like that's just a huge thing to be showing early on. Um, yeah, Cole Swider just I couldn't believe some of the shots I was seeing him make um that shooting is easily easily something the 15-man roster could use I kind of wish we could just combine Max Christie and Cole Spider into one person uh I feel like Max Christie has some great defensive IQ Mm -hmm. uh he's got you know I think they're the same height ish Cole Spider might be a little bit taller but 
feel like Max Christie just has a better frame in terms of just uh, being getting down and getting to his uh, defensive stance. But take Christie's defensive IQ, uh, defensive talent. Rebounding. He can rebound, that man. With, his rebounding, yeah. combine that with Swider's crazy, crazy movement shooting. And then let's just sprinkle like a little bit of Zion Williams strength in there. <laughs> both those both those guys need to get into the weight room. I think we'd have the best prospect of all time. Um, granted, we can't do any of that, what I just said, but yeah, I think they're gonna have I think they're gonna have a little bit of an interesting decision to make in terms of they're going to put one of these three guys, Max Christie, Cole Swider, or Scotty Pippen Jr., onto the 15-man roster. I'm almost sure of it. Man. I think I I I I don't think they would do Scotty Pippen just because of the height thing and because of like, you know, they might have Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, and then obviously LeBron James takes up a lot of um ball handling role, but you know, I think they're going to have a tough decision between Max Gross and Cole Swider. Max Gross is the obvious first decision just because he was drafted, but I don't know. That, that shooting might be really needed on this team. Yeah, man. I think, uh, like, again, listen, I know as people that hate Lakers fans and whatnot and people who like to just be Debbie Downers, People will say, "Oh, it, like op- opposing teams' fans are hearing us saying, like, well, you think Cole Swider's like good enough <laughs> to be on a fifty-man roster, son?' But, but listen, our roster's scant, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. that strong. We're not saying, you know, Cole Swider ain't going to Golden State to beat out uh, Jordan Poole for no minutes. Could he possibly be the role of like the designated shooter over somebody like a um, a Troy Brown?" Maybe Cole, Cole Swider before put this Nets trade aside of Joe Harris and Seth Curry are coming over. Put that to the side. Mm-hmm. Cole Swider is the best shooter on the team. Yeah, hundred percent. Currently, as constructed, he's the best shooter on the team. Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Like by like by far. Like like I think he's a better shooter than LeBron. Yeah, and LeBron's been crazy the past couple seasons. Yeah, man. Max Christie probably like a better defender like than uh than last uh, year. I'm trying to say last year's roster. He he would be the he'd be behind he'd be behind AD and LeBron and, and probably Austin and Reeves. Yeah, and yeah. Reeves. I know that sounds ridiculous because of course maybe 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 Stanley. Yeah, Stan Stan solid when he's not like over. Stan is solid. Yeah, he's solid. He would be like right up there. Like, I do think like you know like early in the season like they they play like a young player early. I do think defensively, yeah, they're gonna like throw him out there just to see if he can hold his own. Um, cause uh, I found I found it funny that Phil Handy started all of them, you know, over like South Bay guys and them South Bay guys good like Matt McClung, legitimately good. Um, mm-hmm. what's his name Jones, legitimately good. Jay Huff started. And he another guy that surprised me. Like I, I listen. This is not us like overrating these dudes. We're talking about looking at the free agent market, looking at what they don't have, looking at their weaknesses, looking at what they can afford. I do think all of these it's, players. It's like are a gonna it's, make it's like roster. a fifty fifty combo. It's like a fifty fifty combo of us being homers, but also hating the team. Yeah, like <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a little bit it's a little mix. Yes, the Lakers are that talent deficient. Where these dudes. 
could legitimately and again these are like third tier depth chart positions. We're not saying they're gonna go in and start games. Like, yes, I do think Jay Huff would be a great third big on their roster as far as like a young project, somebody who can come in, space the floor, protect the rim. He did all those things great. Um he don't have like lift and he seems like a little winded. Um, when you start like going up and down the court so many times, but I still think like he could just you could stick him out there depending on the matchup and he could hold his own in the NBA game. Um, same thing with Scottie Pippen Jr. I think he can be like a good third guard, um, just like breaking case of emergency. And then uh, you know Swider, he could be like a just like how they played Svi spot minutes. Um, that one year they had LeBron, Svi would come in, hit like two threes, and not be off or look too bad or look out of place. And then, like, you wouldn't see him for the rest of the game. That's how the NBA works. You don't necessarily have to put a guy yeah. out there and, like, depend on him to end the game knowing he's going to get targeted and knowing that, you know, his flaws are going to be exposed. You just put him in five minutes before you end a half or before you end a third quarter to buy somebody some rest, hope he hit his two or three threes, and you just take him out and you let the big dogs finish. That's how the game works. Um, mm-hmm. But I think these these young dudes could do it, though. I think they could do it, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, either way, either way, it seems like the Lakers had a decent draft. Uh, yet again, we'll see. Uh, again, here comes the Homer uh, Homer versions of us coming out. I just said it seems like they've had a good draft after two summer league games. But hey, whatever. Um, we'll see how they turn out. We'll see who of those three get on the fifteen man roster. Um, Plenty more summer league to go, so we'll see like how they uh, continue to play. With that being said, let's go ahead and finish off with talking about talking about a, a tweet, a tweet from Genie Bus that came in. Good lord, when was it? It was uh, late July third night. Um, let me just read it. Genie Bus tweeted, "I miss KB." Obviously, referring to Kobe Bryant. He would understand and explain everything that I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he was the greatest Laker ever. He understood team over self. Meeting your rewards would come if you valued team goals over your own. Then everything would fall into place. <laughs> and she tweeted, all can reply. Because the last few tweets she's had, or she she kind of uh, sometimes does the replies off thing. Um, so that's what that meant. Um, so it went pretty viral. Uh, I mean, it had, it's currently sitting at like 15,000 retweets, 75,000 likes. Many people kind of interpreted, uh, interpreted it as a subtweet towards certain current Lakers. Um, Walt with some time, kind of time to think about this. What are your feelings about this tweet? Is this like a, is this a non story? Is it a story? What, what are you feeling about it at this current time? Man, to me, it's like a, I mean, the timing of it is going to make it a story, so I can't even ignore that part. But mm-hmm. like I said, I, I have no idea what she's talking about. She could be talking about her tequila uh, brand staff, <laughs> for all we know. Um, <laughs> she could be subtweeting, like, one of the one of the guys on the team. Um, but I, I don't know, man. Like, at this point, I mean, it's her Twitter to tweet what she wants to tweet. If I own the NBA team, I probably wouldn't tweet on Twitter. That's just me, but everybody entitled to do mm-hmm. what they want to. Um, like the relationship she had with Kobe is obviously something that you know I know nothing about, but I can imagine that you know they were close, and you know it was, yeah, it seems like they were very close. Yeah, so like they there was a vision that they both shared. You know what I'm saying? And they all 
they had a a real relationship, like a met often for dinner, talked about these things and um talked about these moves that they made. Like all that stuff is real. So I mean I, I, I can't call it man. I, I I didn't think that that <laughs> I didn't I, I I couldn't think of it being like related to LeBron and I was just like I was like I don't know. I just just tweet to me. Yeah. My my first thought about it was wasn't that like it wasn't oh this is about LeBron or Russ. But my first thought was oh people are gonna make this about LeBron or Russ. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was just kinda like like I saw it, I was like, oh man, that's sad. Like she's obviously missing her friend. Uh I feel like it was kind of an emotional weekend period for just everyone. Uh, in terms of like it being Fourth of July weekend, but also America sucks. I'm just gonna say it right there. Um, but yeah, like I don't think she had any conscious thoughts of like, yeah, I'm tweeting the I'm tweeting this because this isn't what Russell LeBron are doing. First of all, I don't think I, I I'm fully r- ruling it out that this would be about LeBron. I think she has a great relationship with LeBron, and also like. And these are like all the exact things like team over self. This is, that's just like Russ, Russell Westbrook to a T like that is, that is the main critique against him. Like, yeah, LeBron likes to switch teams, whatever. But like when he's with the team, he's, I feel like he's one of the, like, I feel like it's well-documented. He's one of the best teammates you can have, one of the best leaders you can have. But anyways, like I said, I don't think she typed this tweet was thinking like, yeah, screw those guys in the back of her mind. I think her mind was solely on just missing Kobe. Um, I do kind of think, like I said, I don't think she was consciously thinking that. I do think this tweet has a sort of the good old days type of remembrance to it. And you usually only get to that kind of like line of thinking, even if it's with missing someone who's like departed. I feel you only get to that line of thinking by having negative thoughts about the present. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you know, like you don't, you don't think about the good old days without thinking of the bad yeah. current days. Yeah. Um, so maybe she wasn't specifically thinking of Russ while typing that out, but I wouldn't be surprised if like the Russ situation, his kind of stance on the on like his game, or even like the KD or Kyrie situations mm-hmm. of the current NBA, kind of got her thinking these thoughts in the past few days. Yeah. Uh, then boom, all of a sudden she thinks about Kobe. You know, she ruminates on that, and her dear departed friend, and it, you know, kind of spawns that tweet later when she's basically forgotten about all that other stuff that kind of spurred that line of thinking but you know i probably analyzed it too much (laughs) so i'm just gonna cut myself off there um it just was you know like i mean look whatever you think about the tweet aside i think we can agree that you know it's a little bit of poor timing in terms of like what she's like if she just said like i miss kofi so much he was such a great guy and just left it at that it wouldn't be anything it would it would have been an absolute non-story um, you know, I think it was definitely more accidental than not that, you know, the interpretation of it got turned into like a Russ or LeBron sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, man. And, and yeah, late night tweet, 4th of July weekend. Probably wasn't putting too much thought in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame her for that. It's like you said, it's her Twitter. Tweet whatever you want. Go off. I don't put much thought into my tweets. I know, right? Screw it. Imagine somebody that see that's the the difference. Celebrity status can take like 
It could take the simplest thing and turn it into a firestorm, man. It's crazy. And I just, like you said, I think about some of the stuff I've tweeted, and I was probably talking about like um, maybe like a taco or something. If I was famous, somebody could have taken it and be like, I think this guy about to kill himself, man. I really, I really think he is. Yeah, so, yeah, it just, it's just like, whatever, man. Look, I, I think at, I think like above it all. This guy's talking about, this guy's talking about tacos, L plus ratio plus you. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I think above it, like people try to, they try to tie all this stuff into like the Kyrie trade and that it won't get done and all this stuff. That's all. That's, that's like the real T behind like what people really want to kind of apply the tweet towards. And it's just like, Bro, I don't think this got nothing to do with that. I think it's like all different things and different vehicles moving in different directions. But cook on, man. Yeah, uh, I think we just close it off there. I, I, I think if you think this, like she was like tweeting this as a sort of stir the pot, stir the current pot sort of thing, I think you're foolish. Like, I don't think that was going on in her mind tweeting that. I think maybe previous thoughts of that type of stuff may have led to it, but even that might maybe a stretch. So um, I think we're going to go ahead and end there. I think me and Walt may get back to doing some weekly pods together. Uh, I'd say if a Kyrie trade doesn't happen between now and next week, we may not have to have much to talk about, but also come on, it's the Lakers. They always find something for us to talk about. Uh, still got Summer League going on. So we'll definitely find some things to talk about. We'll see if the Kyrie trade gets done or if the Lakers decide to make another free agency signing while that those discussions are going on. But until then, this is Don McHenry. That was Chris Walton. Thank you for listening to the Lakers Outsiders podcast. And, yeah, we'll talk to you guys sometime next week. Peace, y'all. Peace.